0: Hey, it's Curious City reporter Monica Eng, and I love heading to Chicago beaches in the summer. So does Reagan Burke, who lives on the Gold Coast. She used to walk down to Oak Street Beach every morning with her dog, Usher, to get some exercise and play in the water. That is, until one day. I was taking my dog to the beach, and a lifeguard came up to me and said, get your dog out of the water. Uh, there's E. coli. That's when the city used to close beaches, when E. coli levels showing feces in the water got too high. In the early 2000s, they really reported that every day. I mean, it was on the regular news, on the Chicago news, but I don't hear it at all now. So that left Regan with a lot of questions. Like, why don't they close beaches for E. coli anymore? Can that water really get dogs sick? But most important, just how safe are Chicago beaches for swimming these days? On today's episode, we're revisiting the answers to Regan's questions about beach safety. We first answered them in 2019. Plus, we're tackling another beach safety question about why some flotation devices are banned at Chicago beaches. That's all coming up.
1: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
0: Okay, Regan wants to know if Chicago beaches are safe, and a good place to start is with poop in the water, mostly bird poop. And it's important to measure that poop, because high levels can make swimmers sick, usually with a stomach bug. Even days after swimming, you can end up with nausea, diarrhea, a fever, and worse. So when fecal bacteria hits a certain level, the feds say you have to warn people, because some of them could get sick. And so far this summer, 16 beaches, including Oak Street, Rainbow, North Avenue, South Shore and Montrose have already hit that level at least once. And some of them have gone way over. To check those levels here, teams of researchers head to Chicago beaches every summer morning. They scoop up two water samples at each beach, then bring them to a lab at the University of Illinois at Chicago. I met up with Regan at this lab to meet the scientists.
1: Sam Dorovich, welcome to UIC School of Public Health.
0: Thanks, and this is Regan Burke, our question asker. Hi, Regan. Regan.
1: Hello, doctor. Thanks for coming to the lab.
0: Each day, teams under Dorovich and Avalasha Shrestha analyze those beach samples, and they're looking for signs of poop. Specifically, they're looking for a bacteria called Enterococci. Chicago used to use E. coli. But this one is just as good, and actually faster. Shrestha guides me to the different rooms of the lab. So we filter the samples in one room. We take them to the next room, which is the DNA extraction room. That sounds so scientific. (laughs) Once they get the results, they report them to the park district. The park district posts the data on its website, usually by noon. And then city lifeguards spring into action. They put up either a green flag or a yellow flag. Green means, hey, it's pretty safe to swim. metro levels are lower than 1,000. But yellow means, hey, it's risky to swim. Those levels are over 1,000. You might notice, though, I didn't mention a red flag. That's because Regan's right. These days, the city will put up red for sewage backup or bad weather but never for high fecal readings, no matter how high they get. For example, in 2019, enterococci levels were 300 times the trigger limit at a beach on Northerly Island. But that beach stayed open with the same old yellow flag. Not even the UIC scientists think this makes sense. EPA tests show that higher levels mean higher risk. So when the fecal numbers soar, Dorvich thinks the city could do more than put up that same old yellow flag.
1: Whether that should be accompanied by closing the beach or just firmer language about if you have underlying health problems, don't go in the water. I think that that would be really important.
0: About a decade ago, Dorvich did a study about how well people understood the flag system. And what he found was they kind of didn't. So has their understanding of, say, the yellow flag gotten any better today? I went down to Ohio Street Beach to find out. Do you know what the yellow means? Nope.
1: I do not. That there's
0: a lifeguard around, possibly? Do you know what a yellow flag means? Um, I think air. Nope. Nope. Not a goddamn clue. Um, how about you, sir?
1: I don't remember it now.
0: So given this continued confusion, should the city skip the yellow flag? Like maybe go with brown when fecal levels are super high? I asked Dorvich.
1: Um, I think brown may convey some information pretty <laughs> graphically. Yeah. Maybe maybe putting a poop emoji on there yeah. as well.
0: But all jokes aside, people seem confused. So how would Dorvich advise swimmers when beaches hit that trigger level of a thousand or more and the yellow flag starts flying?
1: You know, use the beach at your own risk, take precautions, uh, wash hands well before eating, avoid swallowing water. And if somebody has a weakened immune system for some reason or underlying stomach problems, definitely consider whether it's wise to go in the water.
0: Or even better,
1: pick a safer beach that day.
0: But Tresh just says that beachgoers can also do their part by cleaning up garbage that attracts pooping birds and animals. I've done a lot of cleaning with Alliance for the Great Lakes at Montrose Beach, and people just don't clean up after their dogs. So they just bury the poop in the sand or in, like, paper cups and diapers around. And if people know that, you know, these are the sources of uh, our indicator bacteria getting higher, people should, like, pick up after their dogs. Shreshta actually did her whole dissertation on trying to figure out the ingredients in Chicago's particular fecal cocktail. What she found was in Chicago's beach water, you get a tiny bit of human poop, a little bit of dog poop, especially at a certain dog beach, but mostly. Bird fecal pollution was kind of everywhere. So on Regan's main question about the safety of Chicago beaches, well, that all depends on the day, the beach and your personal health. But what about her other question? Like, is E. coli a problem for dogs on the beach? Well, I heard from Chicago veterinarian Vaishali Joshi, and she says dogs are pretty tough. Still, E. coli can occasionally be a problem for sick dogs, older dogs, or puppies with an infected mom. And finally, why did the city stop closing beaches for high fecal levels? Well, we asked the park district, and they never gave us a great answer. They did, however, tell us that they have no plans to change course on the way they use those flags. Dr. Regan learned all this on our visit to the UIC lab We hung out in the lobby and talked for a second. And she had a few closing thoughts. Well, I'm very impressed at the level of testing that they do on the Chicago beaches. But she wishes they'd post the readings for those tests before the middle of the day. And on that whole binary green or yellow thing where feces can be sky high with no change in the flag... That to me is just appalling, the idea that at 1,000 CCEs, there's a health risk. But when it's 300,000 and they don't close the beaches, I mean, how sick are people getting? They must close the beaches when that happens. It's just appalling. Up next, Chicagoan Julie Walters isn't worried about poop. Instead, she's worried about something else at the beach, swimmers. Swimmers. After the break, why Chicago and nearby beaches ban certain flotation devices?
1: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
0: When Julie Walter's kids were young, she used to take them to Foster Beach all the time. And she remembers seeing parents put those inflatable toy rings and other floaties on their kids. But then lifeguards would come running at them and tell them, you can't wear that in the water, you can't wear that in the water. Julie thought those inflatables could have actually made the kids safer. So she wants to know why folks can't use inflatable devices at Chicago beaches. Before we start, I should say that swimmers can wear properly fitted, Coast Guard-approved life jackets and certain water wings. But other floaties, like rafts, crocodiles, tubes, and boogie boards? No way. Why not? Well, the Chicago Park District didn't have a ready answer, but I did talk to water safety experts, like this guy.
1: Tom Gill spokesperson for the United States Lifesaving Association.
0: Gill says not every city has a ban on floaties, but more and more are understanding their dangers. One big issue, he says, is that some folks who use them don't actually know how to swim.
1: And they are easily lost from the person's control. And if they have floated out into a deeper area that they cannot swim in, they're going to go under very quickly.
0: And some areas have banned them because they think they can make parents kind of lazy. Like mom and dad might put water wings on Junior and then just stop watching. But for a more local picture, I met up at the beach with Dave Benjamin, who heads up the Great Lake Surf Rescue Project. Now Dave is a serious surfer, so he knows about fun in the lake. But he's also serious about safety. He says that most people just don't get the real dangers of swimming in the Great Lakes, where almost 1,000 people have drowned since 2010. And on top of that...
1: Half of all Great Lakes drownings happen in Lake Michigan, and half of Lake Michigan drownings happen in the south end of Lake Michigan.
0: Yep, right here, where so many Chicagoans swim in vacation. So Benjamin advises against using flotation toys on Lake Michigan beaches, where shifting winds and currents can prove surprisingly deadly.
1: These toys can actually pose some hazards that most people are not aware of, uh, such as if it's a light offshore wind, it could blow the inflatable object into deeper water where a child or even the parent may go after it into water over their head.
0: Or they can carry people out into the lake. Benjamin says that happened in 2012 to an Indiana couple. Their names were Evelyn and Lionel, and they just wanted to watch the sunset from a raft out on the lake.
1: They didn't realize that the offshore wind could blow them far and fast offshore. And Lionel was a very strong swimmer, very physically fit. And he had gotten out of the raft and was trying to swim it back to shore. And unfortunately, you know, the offshore wind was too strong for him. When he tried climbing back into the raft, it capsized.
0: Capsized and blew away, leaving both of them in the water. But by this time, Lionel was exhausted.
1: A bystander had witnessed the capsize on the beach. By the time that he got out there to uh, rescue them, Evelyn was saved.
0: But Lionel never made it. Despite so many terrible stories like this, Benjamin knows that at unguarded beaches, people are just going to keep using inflatable devices. And if they do, he's got two big pieces of advice. First, never use rafts when the wind is blowing out into the lake. And
1: if you see it start blowing out into the open water, let it go. You know, it's it's not worth it.
0: Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation and produced by Joe Deseaux. Maggie Sivet is our digital and engagement producer, and Alexandra Solomon is the editor. I'm Monica Eng.
1: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more— Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.